This is the Uncensored Voice. No bullshit, just real shit. Discussing things that will stir the pot. Only here on the Uncensored Voice. With your host, Ricky Midnight. Your money's not wasted like that $55 million. Hey guys, Ricky Midnight here. As a former police officer, I feel it's my duty to try and help spread the word about how hospitals, some hospitals, are using remdesivir to get paid by the government and to kill their patients. That means your loved ones. Subscribe to my channel. Help me spread this word. Okay, guys, I have another horde story to tell you about remdesivir, how it, it um, well, it's it's a hospital moneymaker. They're going to do it whether you want them to do it or not. They're going to try to get you to do it. They're going to talk you into it. They're going to give you test after test to say, hey, look, you have COVID. You need to take remdesivir. Uh, we, this is going to make you better. And, uh, well, Ashley's going to tell us uh, her story and um, her personal accounts. Welcome, Ashley. Hi, thank you. Um, so my fiance passed back in October. Um, when we went to the hospital, kind of the first thing that happened was they were pushing remdesivir on us. We were very familiar with remdesivir. So we just said, nope, no remdesivir. We don't, we don't want any of that. Um, after he was in the hospital for about a, roughly about a week, I was able to get into his online chart records. And I saw a doctor's note saying that they were going to discontinue remdesivir um, because he started having liver failure after one dose of it. Um, I instantly called him, you know, did you consent to this drug or not? Um, he said that, yes, he did consent to it, but they're not going to do it anymore. So after one bag, he went to liver failure. It was very clear on his labs. Very, very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, once I got his actual full medical records, a couple months after he passed, I discovered that Phil had taken remdesivir after he was given morphine and Persidex, which is a really high highly, highly strong um, sedative that typically they give you during a surgical procedure. Um, Phil did not do drugs. He did not smoke. He did nothing. He didn't even take Tylenol for a headache. So those are two really, really strong drugs for him. And he most definitely was not thinking things through. Um, even in the doctor's note, he they even stated that his liver failure was due to remdesivir. So and it's it was- highly possible that when he was in his right mind, he said, no, I don't want to take this mm-hmm. So they kept asking him and asking him. He kept saying, no, no, no. And then they decided, well, you know what? We're going to give him this, this cocktail of uh, mind altering to make him a little more susceptible to saying yes. Does that sound mm-hmm. good? Yeah, that, that's, that's 110% totally correct. All of his medical records the whole way through until that point were very, very clear that he know he did not want remdesivir. It's very well documented. Um, and then after all these drugs were given, then he consented to it and he went straight into liver failure. Um, when we actually called the doctor on his note, the note that said that he um, went to liver failure and they were going to discontinue remdesivir, he also labeled um, Phil as imminent risk of death. Um, we called the doctor on it and the doctor even stated that, oh yeah, after that one bag remdesivir, he's going downhill really fast. Wow, so, so the doctor even stated it. So isn't that an admission of malpractice? I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm not in a medical field, but wouldn't that sound like that? Um, he, to me, it does because he even was like, you know what? Yeah, he's going down here really fast. I remember when those words came out of his mouth. I was just in awe. I did, never expected a doctor to actually outright acknowledge what this drug did. Probably said it because because your fiance, and uh, your fiance went ahead and said, "Go ahead and give me remdesivir 
So mm-hmm. that wipes him of liability. At least that's probably what he's thinking. That wipes him of liability. Mm-hmm. So, but um, they should know better. 56%, give or take, 56% of the people who take it, from what I was reading, um, have a mortality rate. of they, they don't die. You know? mm-hmm. I'm sorry, they die. 56% die. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah, that, sound, that sounds about right. And typically it's kidney failure. So it's kind of interesting that uh, Phil had liver failure. Um, but then a couple days after the liver failure, then he went into renal failure. Um, after talking to a lot of other people, that's what they're seeing inside hospitals. I've talked to a couple of our nurses and that's what they're seeing is it's a couple of days after remdesivir that the kidney failure is happening. And that, and that also played true for our story as well. Well, I, I didn't mean to interrupt your story. Go ahead. Okay. And, I mean, go and continue. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, that was kind of, that was really kind of the big things is, um, he took remdesivir on a Sunday afternoon. Um, I discovered that he took it on a Tuesday afternoon. Um, by Wednesday morning, his liver was still really elevated. It was kind of coming down after a couple of days off the drug. Um, but then that's when he went into renal failure. And then that is when they intubated him. And after that, our, everything just hit the fan. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. Um, no, I could never see him. Um, the day he got intubated, he called me, letting me know he wanted to, he was going to be intubated. Um, I asked him why, you know, your liver is getting better. It's still not good, but it's getting better. Your blood oxygen is getting better. Everything's getting better. So why are you getting intubated? Um, the nurse took his phone, yelled at me, told me I had no idea what I was talking about, hung up on me. I had to call Phil back to tell him I love you before he, he got intubated. Um, and then I got banned from the hospital. Wow. I could not call a hospital. I could not go to the hospital. I could do nothing. Um, in my state, until you're actively dying, you cannot have anyone with you. So when, when they say, okay, well, you're actively dying, let's get your hospital or let's get your loved ones in here. Hopefully we can get them in here before you die. Is, is that the case, I guess? Um, I mean, like- in, in, our, in our story, they did something very cruel to us. Um, Phil passed on an early Thursday morning, Wednesday prior, um, they will come up. They knew he was dying. It was, he had, he had so many different infections going on and they weren't treating him. Um, his white blood cells were absolutely insane. He had sepsis. He was about to go in septic shock. Um, Wednesday afternoon, they woke him up on the ventilator that he could actually respond to commands, um, by his hands. They called us, we got to talk to him just for a matter, maybe two minutes um, before he kind of fell back asleep after waking up. Um, that evening we got called back in, letting us know that he wasn't doing good and that he was having some heart issues and his blood pressure wasn't staying up. Um, when we went there, Phil definitely knew that we were with him. Um, he was crying when he was on the ventilator. Did they let well, when they let you in, did they make you wear masks, PPE, the whole mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they had us do the whole nine yards. Um, the kind of one blessing that we had is the doctor towards the end was the only doctor that actually talked to me. Everyone else just shut me down. Everyone's like, oh, you can't talk to us. You can't talk to us. You have no legal right to talk to us. I'm on his HIPAA report. I, I have all the access. His mother is the POA of, for next of kin. I'm feeding her all these questions to ask you guys. <laughs> Wow. Uh, yeah. So wow. he actually, we're only allowed one person in our state mm-hmm. at end of life. 
this doctor made an exception and actually had me go through like the back door entrance of the hospital to get me upstairs to see Phil. So luckily me and his mom were both able to see him before he passed. Well, well, there's actually some people who still care. There's a lot of people obviously who just would rather have that paycheck than care about your loved ones. Mm-hmm. Horrible. Um, I know, like I said, I, I said on my previous podcast, my mother went into the hospital recently, 82 years old. And Aww. at no point did they, and she, she didn't pass away. She's fine. But no, nobody um, made me wear a mask, made her wear a oh. mask. Nobody told me anything. It was really good. This is down here in San Antonio, Texas. I hear all these horror stories and um, I was prepared for it. I, I spoke with Greta. Um, are you familiar with? Um, mm-hmm. Yep. I spoke with Greta from protocolkills.com and I told her, I said, hey, look, what is that house bill that I need to know down here in Texas? And um, I was prepared. I was, you know, I had it in my pocket. I'm ready to go. At no point did they give me any grief, but I hear so many stories where the hospitals give the uh, loved ones no access to their dying, um, you know, friends, mm-hmm. family, whatever. They just don't care, you know? And no. I don't know if it's just something that's up north, um, if it's something that's everywhere, because Greta's down here in Texas and something like that happened with Greta, she mm-hmm. can't live. So this is just, you know, surprising. Most of my stories that I'm, that I'm putting out there on my show are from up north. And I'm just wondering if it's something mm-hmm. that I don't know. I, I think you're on to something there. Um, it was something I kind of noticed early on to the pandemic because um, my whole family's in healthcare. Um, and so it's something I did notice kind of early on. So I kind of questioned that myself. Um, so you're definitely, you're definitely on to something there. Um, I know that Washington is definitely one of the most strictest states possible when it comes to visiting someone. There was at one point in time, even in labor and delivery, you couldn't have visitors. Um, they shut the place down. No one was allowed in or out. Um, actually, the, the night that Phil passed, the doctor that was able to sneak me in and got overrided for me to come in, um, he actually stepped aside with Pam outside the room and he told her that one day he will have things to answer for. So I do believe he's very aware of what's going on inside that hospital. And that is why he broke some rules that night to let us go see Phil. And we we're only supposed to be there an hour. He let us be there for five hours before we actually officially got kicked out. Are you currently, don't, don't mention where you work, but are you mm-hmm. as a nurse? Um, no, not, not at this time. I'm, so I'm wondering, this is what I'm wondering, do hospitals, whether it be nurses and doctors, do they know what they're doing to people and they just don't give a shit and they're doing it anyway because there's paycheck involved because their boss told them to, because they don't want to lose their job. Mm-hmm. Are afraid that the administration's telling them to do it or does it is it just out of out of malice they just don't care uh, yeah I, I i i think there's three groups of people there's the people that are kind of I, I call them ignorant um they just go with what they're told they don't critically think they just go along with emotions um so they kind of you know they're just not thinking they're just simply not thinking at least i know in my state we're really low on nurses so they're putting brand new grads up in ICU um you know they don't have any experience um there's the middle group that is aware of what they're doing but they just don't really care um because if you're vaccinated and vaccinated you have different labels associated to you and my state those are very strong associations and then there are the people that are fully aware of what's going on and we did cross a couple of those people Okay. Yeah. I was telling someone, I forget who it was. I was telling, I, I tell this to a lot. I tell a lot of people these stories. I was mm-hmm. telling someone, I believe it was yesterday that there are people 
who are aware, I mean, there have to be people who are aware. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm aware of it and I'm not in the medical field at all. Then yeah. they have to be aware of it. And they just don't care. They would rather make their paycheck because their boss told them to do it. And like, I'm just going to do it no matter what, you know, and they're mm-hmm. costing people, their loved ones. And it's sickening that our, that our government's supposed to be able to help us with this. They're on board with it. They're also on board. With it. It's horrible. Um, they're the ones Fauci is the one saying, do this, do that. Take this remdesivir. This is a protocol that I wrote up, follow my protocol. Um, and, or your hospital is going to lose all its funding, you know? And I think, you know, mm-hmm. the administration doesn't want to lose it. The administration tells, you know, all their employees, you will follow these rules. And just like you said, some don't know, some do know, but kind of turn a blind eye. Some absolutely know and just don't give a damn. You know? Yep. Horrible. My, that was, that's, that's essentially the hospital that we have here in my city. That that's that hospital. Majority of them are those people. Mm-hmm. Um, actually right around the time that he went into the hospital, I didn't know this until after the fact, um, but our governor put in place something that said, if you do not follow this protocol, and if you prescribe COVID patients, X, Y, Z, you will lose your medical license. One of those drugs was um, a ZPAC, erythromycin. So um, towards the end, they were pretty suspectful of a bacterial infection, but yet they couldn't get any samples, but yet they told us he had MRSA. So obviously there's some kind of sample there. Um, even with an, a note from an attorney, they still denied us erythromycin, a standard $8 antibiotic, because the governor said, if you prescribe this to COVID patients, you'll lose your medical license. So they're probably thinking, well, they probably are, they're probably immune to prosecution. They're, they're, you probably can't, mm-hmm. um, just like Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson and Moderna, they're not responsible for any side effects of taking the shot. I mean, you can grow an extra arm, your, your colon can fall out of your anus and they're perfectly okay with it because they're not responsible. And it's, it's just sickening how so many things have gone wrong since this fear of the pandemic has started. Everybody is just, just going complete nuts and people are losing their lives as a result. And I'm very sorry about this. Yeah. Thank you. I've had a loss in my family last week and Oh, how bad it feels. I know how bad it feels. I was consoling my mom yesterday. It was, it was so hard. So, but, um, geez, you know, I'm glad that you came on and, and told us your story. So I, I want to get as many people out there to open mm-hmm. their eyes. And if we can help just one family, then it's worth it. Um, I want to get other people to know, stay away from this killer drug. Don't, mm-hmm. don't let the hospital run you through their, their protocols, their regimen. It's going to kill you. It's going to kill you. And like I said, mm-hmm. don't, uh, in San Antonio, I was, we were just, I was blown away. My mom didn't expect anything different, but I was blown away that they didn't, you know, make us jump through hoops. I was yeah. prepared to, to, you know, um, call uh, the center, my senator. I was prepared to do whatever I had to do, you know, mm-hmm. get violent if I had to, but uh, yeah, no, that's, that's crazy. But also you're very lucky. You're very, very, very lucky. Yeah. But um, is there anything else that you wanted to let us know? Oh, actually, kind of going back to the protocol thing, there's something that you might find interesting. So in, in my county, um, for as like a year and nine months into the pandemic, before our governor put in that mandate for, you, you know, you can't, you have to follow this protocol, you have to follow the Fauci protocol, um, otherwise you lose your medical license. We only had 120 deaths in my county. Most of them were over the age of 85. After that mandate got placed and 
people were threatened with their um, licenses and everything had to be remdesivir. There was no other option, only remdesivir. We went from 120 deaths in a year and nine months to 280 deaths within the next six months. What is your, what is your governor's name? Oh, Jay Inslee. <laughs> I love Inslee. He's just, he's just great. Absolutely fantastic. Oh. He's. You would think that he, <laughs> that, well, first off, he needs to keep his damn nose out of it. He's, he's not in a medical oh. nose out of it. But you would think that he would see that this is, it, it made things worse. You would think that mm-hmm. he, here, the only, only way you can look at it is um, money's involved somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we have, what is that? It's, you know, 21, 21 months, we had 120 deaths. We went up to 280 deaths within the next six months. And the only thing that changed was he said, okay, everyone has to do remdesivir for COVID. Clearly there is something there. And that's just in my county. That's not statewide. That's just in my county. And now we don't see people dying of just over the age of 85. Now it's over 85. It's in the 30s. It's in the 40s and the 50s. It's everyone now. There is no just one age category. Wow. Yeah. So once again, I'm I'm sorry to hear hear of this. Uh, it's all too, it's all too common, you know. And mm-hmm. my interviews that I've been doing on this, and um, you know, like you've have you seen the interview with that Greta has done, whether with me or other people? Have you seen the interview that she's a survivor? She, yes. Even her, and she actually survived. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. And mm-hmm. I think that God had something set aside for her so she could make this this um, website to spread the word i think that he mm-hmm. could do that so. yeah most 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 definitely as there's not many people that go in that come out um at least in my hospital i think it's only one of five come out of the hospital um so it's it's not good it's not good so the fact that she made it out and she's able to have the platform and be able to have essentially kind of the backbone to come forward and do all this because it's not easy it's definitely not easy the fact that she's able to do this is definitely she's a godsend. God had something planned for her. Yes, ma'am. So, mm-hmm. well, uh, once again, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you. A fairly short uh, episode, but uh, very informative. Thank you so much, Ricky. Thanks for listening to the Uncensored Voice. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And remember, on the Uncensored Voice, we tell it like it is. So be safe, my friends, and may God bless America.